Guys, we did it. We're here. It's official. I've hit double digits. I'm at episode 10. Let's go. We made it. I'm still struggling trying to get an audience, but we made it. Um, on episode 10, I'm talking to... The nickname for this person is uh, Average Joe. I actually explain why I chose that nickname as one of the first topics when I'm talking to him. But... It was a great talk nonetheless. He's a bio major. He's 21. His future goal is to be a nurse practitioner. Um, and, you know, he he is someone that I think more people can relate to versus all the other people who I've talked to who have all these, like, kind of out there goals of you know, accomplished things that the average person probably, you know, would struggle to or doesn't see themselves doing or, you know, conversations that were just outliers. This one is, uh, again, I named him Ever Joe because of who he is and i explained that uh, when i talked to him so before starting the uh episode i just want to give two quick little updates one this is the first episode where i have an official intro and outro i want to thank my um old roommate goko he you know he was on uh, one of the earlier episodes i think it was episode four he's the music guy but um he has officially made an intro and outro for this show and i like it i think it's pretty dope so i'm going to be playing that in the beginning and end of every single episode from now on um let me know what you guys think uh if you like it if you hate it and you know we'll i'll figure out you know if it needs editing or changing and then other than that um i think i'm gonna be changing these intros a little bit making them a lot shorter keeping it to the point and getting straight into the recordings so that'll start happening more often because i've already hit 10 so i don't really want to say the episode at each episode so i'm just gonna stop doing that and kind of keep it short and simple so people hear less of me more of the conversation and get what i want people to get out of these uh, recordings with people and then the last thing i think i explained this at the end too is that i'm giving i'm doing a giveaway after this episode um so if you like comment share the post that's going to be on facebook um for this episode and then next episode no for this episode yeah just this episode um uh, if you like comment and share there'll be a link on the facebook page that will tell you uh, what to do and if you do that you'll have a chance to win some of the shirts that i have i think they're dope as actual shirts again i'm just trying to get the name out there unmapped and i think other than that i don't have any updates um other than uh oh yeah i got this out kind of late because you know, school sucks. Again, I say that all the time, but school does suck. I hate it. And it gets in the way of me trying to content create, but I've been trying the absolute best that I can to get as much content as I can out at the same time. Balance this with my schoolwork, with working, with social life, with yada, yada, yada. And yeah, I think that's it. Okay, cool. So uh, enjoy the intro. I hope you like it. It's like an elevator music kind of chill vibe kind of thing going on it's only like 20 30 seconds and then it goes straight into the recording so um hope you guys enjoy the talk remember share the post on facebook go check it out at least and uh thanks for listening Apparently, when I donate blood, I have to use a special machine because I have O positive. I don't even know what my blood type is. I should, that's something I should know, right? That's important. Yeah. That one time I had to go to the hospital with Alex. Uh-huh. Um, I they asked us like, "Do you know his blood type?" I'm like, "Why would I know that?" Yeah, I don't even know my own. Yeah. I could, <laughs> I could freaking cut my wrist right now, and I would have no idea what to tell. They would have to figure that shit out. The only reason I know that I'm O positive is because my grandpa was O positive, and I remember my mom would always tell me that. Uh-huh. That's the only reason I know. But O positive is the one that's universal blood donor. Yeah. So everyone can use my blood. Yeah. But I can only receive blood from O positive people. That sucks. Yeah. It's not so useful. That's at all. Not, a, not a beneficial yeah. thing. Just move in a little bit. Everyone's yeah. always like really far at first. 
No, I'm, no, 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 just come like. Oh, yeah, you're right there. It's perfect. Get nice, and, just nice and close. Yeah, nice and cozy. <laughs> um, first thing I want to go into is uh, explaining your name. Uh-huh. So your nickname for this I have, I have recording. A I didn't bring one. What's no, you didn't, no, you're just. <laughs> I make the nicknames. Um, every other one is very, very like random, or it's it doesn't really make sense, like uh-huh. Mr. Peanut Butter. And like uh, like like Capitana and stuff like that. Huh. The reason I chose Average Joe for you uh-huh. is not to like discredit like what you do or anything like that, uh-huh. but it's just the fact that you don't have any like wild ambitions or like uh-huh. anything that's like really out there in terms of like what you expect from life. Uh-huh. And I think it's very different, especially given our age, because uh-huh. because most people at this age are like, oh, like I'm gonna be whipping a Lambo. Yeah. <laughs> people like me, are like I'm gonna be doing something outrageous or. Uh-huh. You know, they have these dreams and ambitions, but you, it's, like, really grounded. And I, uh-huh. I think, I was thinking about this, I was like, if there was one word that I could use to describe you, it's uh-huh. grounded. Uh-huh. That you have this, like, very, like, like realistic expectation of what you need to do and what you need to get done and what you want to see uh-huh. yourself doing. And um, I, w- I was wondering, like, when do you think you first got that, like, mi- into that mindset of, like, doing things? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I was thinking about this before, but, like... I never really, when I like think about like, what I want out of life, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think like, a lot of people have things where they're like, I want to start a company, I want to be the next like Steve Jobs or something mm-hmm. like that. Like when I think of like my future and like the stuff that I see myself doing, it revolves around like more stuff that's outside of like career or, or work or like projects like that. Like I see myself like traveling a lot, going on vacations, like mm-hmm. starting a family, like buying a house, like, investing time in my hobbies, like, stuff like that, like, right. going skiing, hiking. So, finding, like, a balance early camping on. Camping and stuff like that. Yeah, so, like, when I think of, like, we were talk- I was talking about this with one of our roommates the other day, but, like, I think of life just more outside of, like, career and stuff like that. I just want time to, like, do my own things. And, mm-hmm. like, I obviously, like, want a fulfilling career. I want to, like, have a lucrative career so that I don't have to worry about money and stuff like that but really what I want more out of life is just outside of work you know it's finding an ability to kind of fund all yeah, the things you want to do outside yeah it's more and work life balance for me I want to make a lot of money I mean like I watch my parents struggle and like work really hard for like what they have but I feel like it's more I feel like life's about more than that and like when you say like where did I when did I start having mm-hmm. this like, like kind of mindset I think it stems from, like, my dad working a ton when I was a kid. Like, my dad was pulling, like, 80-hour weeks all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... 80-hour? Yeah. Damn. Like, 80-hour week was, like, a regular thing for him. Like, and if at times he was working two jobs, or it was, like, one job with, like, 40 hours of overtime. And I feel like he didn't have, like, a, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I want. If I could work 40 hours a week, make... Not be rich, but be, like, well Enough off. money. Yeah, I'm not, you don't have to worry about money. Yeah, I'm not trying to pull, like, $10 million a year. <laughs> but if I was making, like, uh, I don't know, like, two hundred k a year. Yeah, that's a like, lot. You know, wife was working. Mm-hmm. That would be enough that I could have pretty much everything that I want. Right. And not have to work. Yeah, okay. You know? That makes a lot of sense. So, like, your parents, I know we've talked about this before, is mm-hmm. you say that, like, they worked a lot prior um, when you were younger and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So did you see, like, that transition of them you know, making more money, and then yeah, as soon as they started like, doing that, they started doing more stuff, too. Yeah, for sure. Like, my parents are so much happier now. And, like, they do things that it's, like, like, they'll take a weekend trip to places because, like, my dad will be traveling for work. So, like, let's say my dad went to Florida. Mm-hmm. My my mom and my brother, who's still at home, will just go and meet him for the weekend. Like, that's the kind of life that I want to have, that I could be like, oh, I want to go off for, a couple you days. know, four days, yeah, yeah. you know. And go somewhere nice where there's a sun, like, because New York is fucking cold in the winter. <laughs> yeah, I hate, the, I hate the cold. We're starting to get there right now. I'm not looking forward to walking no, not a mile to class. Nope. Class already sucks, and I don't want to go to class already. So, I hate on school. top of that, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. So, you hate school. Um, Do you always hate school? Do you think there was always, like, a little bit of you that hated school? I don't know. Or do you think it's just college? I think I liked school in high school, but again, mm-hmm. it was like, outside like the stuff outside of school like the people that were there Mm -hmm. and sports that's what I liked about it I didn't like being in class I didn't like studying especially like I went to like a competitive high school just like we go to a competitive college right and like 
I really wasn't that invested mentally in like the competitive nature of it. So like, even though we had, even here, like we'll have students that are all taking the same classes trying to one up each other. I wasn't really like invested in that kind of environment. I was always just worrying about myself and like doing what I could do. It's like finding happiness in yeah, whatever like, you can find it. Not really. It was all intrinsic. It was like it wasn't, wasn't really thinking about other people. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, yeah, I'll do my best. Right, right, right. I'm not trying to beat anybody. That's so yeah. that's so different because I feel like that's not the average kid, especially. Because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I was the same as I am now. I was a mm-hmm. competitive little shit all the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that guy's got that. I'm also gonna get that. Mm-hmm. And I could I could do that. And I feel like that's a. Uh, I think it's more common for people to have that mindset when they're younger and then grow out of it. Mm-hmm. But it's different in your case. You remind me of one of my high school friends who's uh, very calm. I talk about him all the time. Mm-hmm. He's like. Never thought about anything external to him because it doesn't really affect him. Mm-hmm. And I think that definitely has a huge impact on like how your work ethic becomes. I think it has an impact in not getting caught up with like the bullshit because I don't have like the problem like when like when I have to do something like I just go and like do it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have the problem of thinking about like and a lot of people do this and like this was kind of a foreign thing to me for a long time until like I was living at school and like being around people all the time mm-hmm. like. Like, people have to, like, a test that they have to study for. But everyone's hanging out. They worry about that. Like, I just, I got to do this. And I'm just going to do that. I'm not worried about what everyone's That's doing over here. very different. I think you're the anomaly in uh-huh. that case. Well. I uh, think so. I mean, in my experience, I feel like most people don't think that way. At this age group, I think that's an anomaly. And that's yeah, why. No, like, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Like, my first statement is that you're very grounded. Uh-huh. And I think it's, because at this age, it's, it's, for a person who's in their, tw- like, 20s, like, their early 20s, it's a, a brute transition from like being a kid mm-hmm. and like real real like reality punching you right in the face and being like you need to do something soon mm-hmm. like life is creeping up on you mm-hmm. it's not like a transition anymore it's not the middle ground because 18 to 19 when we first started college mm-hmm. it was like yeah it's like you're growing up but you're you know parents are financially funding everything you're doing yeah you're in the middle stage of you know you're growing up but you're not really there uh-huh. whereas now it's like you are growing up you either are going to make moves now and you're going to set yourself up for life or you're like you're going to screw up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fear that a lot of people have. Well, I think a, a key point of like what you just said is like you either make moves now or you're going to screw up. And I don't think it's it's that black and white because if you look at a lot, a lot of successful people, they didn't really come into stride until later on in life. Like we have this idea that like as college students as or as college, like recent college grads that like we need to we we have the degree we need to be successful right now right and right. i don't think it works that way i mean who like okay we uh, have we have a lot of celebrities now that are like rappers and entertainers yeah, yeah. and stuff like that and i think that's where we draw our motivations from and like they're it's, the anomalies yeah that's true because they're a minority of the population there's not that many 25 year old millionaires mm-hmm. but there's a lot of 40 year old millionaires and i think i think you shouldn't be so caught up in like oh this person has this right now at this age and just kind of worry about your own journey because like, you'll get there eventually as long as you do all the right mm-hmm. things. You might not be making hundred million dollars a year. Yeah. Let me let me rephrase that. Not not I don't want to say like screw up as in like do or die. I mean mm-hmm. screw up like every decision is a decision that affects your tomorrow. That's, that's like a true. better way to put yeah, it. That's definitely true. that's that's what I mean. Because like like me personally in like the last couple of weeks like I talked to you about this. Mm-hmm. It's like I got an opportunity offered to me, and then I'm thinking about graduate school and then mm-hmm. thinking about getting a job. And it's like every single decision will change the next couple of years for me. And that's like everyone here. Mm-hmm. It's like every single person. It's like the next decision you make will impact the next years. At the very minimum, two years of your yeah. life is like that next decision. Mm-hmm. And like that's a scary thought for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that uncertainty is the scary aspect of it. But I don't think it necessarily has to be negative. Maybe you make the wrong decision and you go the wrong way and you realize later on that this is not what I want to do. You can move on. You learned, I mean... It's like a bad relationship. Yeah. Like if you got a job that you didn't like, and you worked it for two years, you're still learning skills on that mm-hmm. job. You might have made you might that job might have been vital to you making the decision on what you do want to do in life. Because right now I don't really know what I want to do, so mm-hmm. I want to just try a lot of things and see where I fall. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm 21 years old. I mean, I got plenty of time ahead of me do to figure that out. You know, and I feel like a lot of kids already just don't look at it that way. I think if they're on a rush to make, you know, land that six-figure job at that Fortune 100 company, 
Because we all know that kid. Because we do, yeah, yeah, I know that we kid. We all know that kid. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people have, like, this mindset of, like, fuck that guy. Like, why don't I have that Oh, job? without a doubt. But I'm, hap- I'm happy for him. No, I'm happy for them. It's not yeah. like I'm happy. Like, I have a close friend. I talk about him all the time. Yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's one of my closest friends. I've known him since high school, since freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Eight years in running. And, and um, like, he's he's an awesome guy, and I know he's going to be very accomplished, and I know he's going to make it to places. It's not like I, like, blatantly I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. But in the back of my head, I'm like, fuck you. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, I know, the thing is, like, I know he's going to be accomplished, and it's mm-hmm. awesome. It's not a fuck you in terms of, like, damn, like, like, you shouldn't be there. You don't deserve it. It's like, damn, how did you get there? Like, yeah. it's good on you. It's like, I need to figure that out. And it's like a, more of like a, I, I don't know how to phrase it. It's not, I want to say, I guess a little, in, in a sense, it is jealousy. Mm-hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with yeah, admitting I the, that. I think it's a natural emotion. Yeah. Jealous yeah. I mean, there's, um, I don't know if you watch uh, Bite Size Philosophy or uh, School of Life, I think. Mm-hmm. There's like a little, uh, like a five minute video on Nietzsche. And he talks about the, uh, one of his main concepts discusses how American society uh, suppresses jealousy. Like the idea of jealousy is bad. Whenever you're a kid, it's like, Mm -hmm. like you shouldn't want the things that you don't have. But he says that that is wrong. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't suppress jealousy because jealousy is usually an indicator of something that you want. Mm -hmm. And I, I like took that to heart and I thought about it. And every time I thought about it, I realized it's like, yeah, I am jealous because I want that thing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with me wanting that yeah. thing. It's just, you know, like, that's something that stands out now. Mm-hmm. And I don't suppress it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I never really thought about it that way. Because, like, there's a reason you're jealous of something. Yeah. But the thing is, like, it seemed as, like, a neg. It's almost immediately seemed uh, or deemed as a negative thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're, like, just mad that you don't have that? No, yeah. it's like, I want that. And that. That's all it is. Yeah. And I think it's a better way to look at it. I think I think it's a spectrum too, because sometimes you just hate on people being successful, but maybe their life is not necessarily the life that you want. Yeah. You know, sometimes I hear about friends that have, like just landed a job, and I'm like, I feel like the initial pangs of jealousy, but it's also like I don't want that mm-hmm. career or that mm-hmm. or what they're doing with their life. You know, where they're going to live, that's not where I want to be. Right. Yeah, like this guy isn't making money; he's gonna be in New Jersey. So I think about that's like, yeah, oh, that's yeah, gross. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I would not take that job for New Jersey. Uh-huh. Screw that. Hell no. <laughs> uh, the next thing I want to go into was your relationship, which I don't want to go into depth in the relationship, yeah. but just the fact that you've been in a relationship mm-hmm. from high school. Yeah. I think that that is one of the biggest factors that has made an impact on who you became in college. For sure. Because like, that's that's one of the main that's one of the central aspects of when you start college is uh-huh. that you start dating more yeah. you start going out you try to get girls as a guy like yeah. you're just trying to you know go mm-hmm. out like that's a lot of it that's a lot of my time mm-hmm. uh, you know and a lot of the times like I have to not do it I have to give that up and be it's gonna sound like this is gonna sound sad but it's not how I want it to sound but it's like I'm gonna be single I'm gonna be kind of lonely mm-hmm. but like I need to get my work done so I have that yeah. trade off I think I think you definitely have the aspect that you're single and you don't have to worry about caring for another person, and then you get to work, focus on your like other aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. But I think for for in my relationship, for both of us, it's given us like an element of stability. Yeah. Because we've all both of us have always worked through school, and we take. I mean, I think that we're both in pretty hard majors, so we have so much going on that we don't have to worry about that that aspect of yeah. life. You know. And then when you're with someone and you're with someone for so long, it's support. It's yeah, it's support. You, you have a pillar. rough day. You have someone to call. You know, yeah. Something's going on with your family. Like you have someone there to come help. You know, and I think it's been nothing but a benefit in my life. I'm. I mean, a lot of people look at it like, you know, oh, you're in a relationship in college. Like that sucks. It's like no, I'm complete. If opposite. I wasn't happy, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be in it. it you yeah. know, and. I think yeah. people who say that are usually the ones who are younger, mm-hmm. people who are closer to their teens and their twenties. Like idea 20s. of like what you should yeah. be doing. I remember freshman year, uh, me and like the people I was living with, like, uh, like every every day would be like, "Yo, we need to, we need to go yeah. out, we need to party, we need to get girls." And it was like, as the years went by, I was just like, "I want to just cuddle with someone. Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch a show and like eat ice cream, and that is all I want to do." There's a lot of bullshit that goes into meeting someone for the first time, like going on dates and stuff like that, and it's. It can be tedious and like something it's you, tedious. you don't have to worry about, you know? I don't get how people, like, 
um, you know, we know about a bunch of guys that, you know, get lots and lots of girls, yeah. right? It's like, it, there's this, like, schematic of, like, dating. That, yeah, that's the exact thing it, that I was going to think about. There's, like, a formula to it. And, and like, I hate it. Because I, you know, don't get me wrong, right? I don't want to say I use it, but uh-huh. I do. Yeah. Like, every time, like, I, you know, have gotten with a girl, it's like, oh, like, a first date. Uh, like, you know, go get coffee or something. You know, so I'm fucking yeah. giving up my secrets. But <laughs> whatever. If a girl listens to this, it is, like... I mean, like, first day, like, I get coffee with them. It's, like, very general, like, general knowing. See if the person's not a weirdo. Like, that's basically what it is. It's a feeler date. Yeah. It's, like, oh, like, are you weird? Are you going to kill me? You, what's going on here? And there's a script to it. There's things that you're supposed to say. You say, like, the... not supposed to say. It's... Because there was, there was a, a week uh, this semester where I had three dates in that week. Mm-hmm. Each date was, like, the first date, like, we'd get coffee or, like, breakfast or something. Because it's, like, easy. Mm-hmm. doesn't take too much time. Because, like, you know, like, if you go, like, get coffee, it's, like, an hour. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you get, like, a date date, it's, like, oh, like two hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's too much of an yeah. investment. So, it's, like, we'll do that hour thing. It's, like, the same question. Like, yeah. Where are you from? What are you doing? What are you, you know, what's your major? What's this? What's that? And it's, like, I, I don't like that. Like, yeah. I, it's, there's a part of me that feels so fake. Mm-hmm. It's so, like, it's a facade that you put on to, you know, get, in, get this person to like you. And it's just so... Yeah, I think uh, the worst part of it is that, like, in initially, like you're hesitant to be yourself because you don't know if, like, this person's personality is going to mess with yours but you want them to like yeah. you and they want you, you to like them. Yeah. It becomes this game of saying, like, what you think they want to hear, not what you actually want to mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, most human interaction goes that way, but I feel like when you're with your close friends or with a, you know, you like all other that you've been with a long time, you let to, you can let your real personality yeah. come out. And I, I I just don't see like the appeal of the first like five dates, you know. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Stages of the it's not fun. Yeah. It's effort. It is a lot of effort, and that's why like more recently, especially this semester, what I started doing was like any date that I go on, I go full me almost yeah. immediately. Because if if you don't like me, then that's whatever. Of us yeah, what's the point of me on, trying? Yeah, later on. Like there's um there's one girl earlier this semester, and it's like I, I talked to her for like two dates. I was like, I'm not feeling this at all. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna move on. Yeah. There's no point in me just trying to you know. Just just be there to to bullshit it for a little bit and get somewhere, and then later on it teeters off. Like, what's the point of that? And it's works. I mean, when you come to that conclusion early on, it's best for both of you yeah, because yeah. it avoids a shitty situation later on. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be way worse if you pretend that this is what it's supposed to be, and you keep going, and then you come to the realization a way year later, later on, like, wow, this is we forced this. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing is, like, I, I realized, I talked to a couple of people who have, you know, been with a lot of people, uh-huh. and whenever I talk to them, I realize, like, how arbitrary being with more than one person is, and, you know, it's trying like, to be a quote-unquote player, mm-hmm. and it's, like, really, like, you've gone nowhere. That number means nothing to anyone. And when you hear, like, like guys that are, like, freaking, you know, double-digit hookups over a couple months and stuff like that, it's, like, they talk about the interaction as like just another notch on the belt you know it's like that's a person like that's a person with a personality things that they desires Mm -hmm. you know things that they like to do ideas and stuff like that and that like their whole personality to them is just ignored when you're following this format to try to like hook up with as many girls or as many guys as as possible Mm -hmm. you're missing out on the human component to relationships right I mean do you think it's gotten worse with technology absolutely uh, depends on, I guess it depends on how you look at it because Cause that's a tough I feel like that's a tough one to because to, with technology it's your numbers are going to go up no matter what in terms sure. of like how yeah. many people you get to interact with how many people you you know you know put yourself in that scenario with uh-huh. and then like Tinder and Bumble and all these apps have like, given you the ability to like it's literally just for that one yeah. time yeah and then you don't have to talk ever again mm-hmm. you know and I guess that's a benefit to a lot of people's eyes because they don't want they want the sex part but not the relationship yeah. part, yeah, because they got too much going on or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I never really looked at at that. I guess because personally, like from from my use of like the dating apps, mm-hmm. that those apps aren't made for dating. To, they've yeah. come to the point where it's like they're made for just hooking up, and yep. that's it. It's very rare that I know that someone has used those apps mm-hmm. and found someone that they actually yeah. wanted to date. So, I mean, it happens. It definitely does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of missed out on like the whole Tinder thing because I was. Oh, yeah, you got into high school. high school, and yeah. I feel like when did Tinder come out? Like two years ago. I mean, it got big like two years ago. Yeah, 
Because freshman year, I definitely didn't remember it being as big as it was. Yeah, so I don't even... I don't it's even know huge now. They have so many different, like, little, like, premium things you can pay for mm-hmm. and, like, so many just different... That's, th- like, the weird thing about it to me. It's, like, you can pay more money to be, like, the first person. Like, yeah, their algorithm is really, really complicated. That's really weird. To me. I mean... It's, it is... Because I paid for it the uh-huh. last the last month, and it's, like, people always have this kind of... Again, they have this negative content. Because I got this from another podcast. I was listening to, uh, you know, Harley... From uh, Epic Mealtime, Bacon, Bacon Guy with the no, beard. No, no. Okay, no, no. Um, he was on a podcast. Um, I got someone recommended it to me, and I listened to it. And he was talking about like using the app as a numbers, like using it as a numbers game for probability. And it's like if you pay for it, there are things such as like putting yourself at the top of the list, uh, selecting your location, um, just just those little things. And it's like you because of the way the algorithm works, your probability immediately goes up, which means that you're likelihood of finding someone who Mm -hmm. you would hook up or date with is immediately heightened Mm -hmm. so why would you not do that yeah i mean i get like the appeal of it but like it's weird it's definitely like it's like robotic it's just like i don't know i just i mean everything is becoming more and more monetized yeah i mean it's i guess it's just like the world that we live in now yeah you know i mean dude youtube is putting out 30 second ads on everything now it's like what do you do what do you do about that? Everything is premium now. And then net neutrality is going to... That's the thing that I'm worried about. Net neutrality getting taken down, it's, it's we're screwed. I have no clue what's going to happen after that. Because things are already so, like, like segmented for big companies to take advantage of, like, the little guys. And Well, I was just reading about, because we've talked before about how It's Always Sunny's leaving Netflix. And mm-hmm. Like, a lot of things have been leaving Netflix. Like mm-hmm. Futurama, Scrubs, How I Met Your Mother's leaving. Right. They're all going to Hulu. Hulu's owned by Fox and NBC. So they're just taking There you home. go. And then ABC is trying to put out their own streaming service. Yeah. Disney's going to put out their own streaming service. Really? Who's going to compete with Fox and Disney? They, they, oh, you know? man. And then, oh, man. And then all their stuff is going to be on this service, all their, and then this service, and then this service, and this service. And now to stream all these things costs the same as cable. And we just had Netflix and maybe Amazon, and you got everything. You know? We, yeah, now that you say, yeah. I think, I think this whole internet entertainment industry gonna I think in terms of like like uh, average like users ability to look at everything is just going like the other direction because I think we had the sweet spot of it we did when it first came out because like everything was free everything yeah. was user based everything was like when I had, for the people I had Netflix when it was just a DVD rental thing mm-hmm. and I like got grandfathered into like the first when it first started streaming mm-hmm. like everything was on there and now it's pay more money for less now yeah it's just, I feel like it's just gonna keep going in that direction where it's pay more, yeah. get less. I mean, that's exactly what removing net neutrality would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were having this conversation literally, what, yesterday? They're going to fucking win eventually. Cause no, they're going to win. Because, one, there's too much money behind it. Yep. Two, not enough people are informed to a degree that they could fight back. Because mm-hmm. no matter how many people are informed, there's always a larger amount that isn't. Because yeah. for every, like, two people that I talk to and they know about it, there's another five that I talk to and they're like, what is net neutrality? What is going on? It's a, it's a complex issue too. And you have to do the research to really understand what's going on. Yeah. And the people are working, they have kids, like they don't have time to focus in on this issue and check back in every time mm-hmm. it comes up again because it comes up every like two months. Mm-hmm. And it gets no one put has time down. for that. It gets put down because everyone's against it. Mm-hmm. No one, no, like it doesn't benefit the average person. It benefits a couple people at the top. And every time it comes up, people like, you know, they, call their congressmen, like, put things all over the internet, say, we don't want it. But eventually something's going to happen where there's big, some big news story, some terrorist attack or something like that, and they're going to sneak it in there when no one's watching, and they're going to win eventually. They've tried, I don't even know how many times. and I'm A seeing, lot. It's I been years. Seen. I've been, I remember I wrote my paper freshman year for my CSC class on neutrality. Mm-hmm. So that was three years ago. Three years ago until today, they have still been fighting to remove net neutrality. They came up in the summer it's coming up now it keeps it's a reoccurring thing but they're trying to do it the day before thanksgiving i think yeah the vote when people are busy yeah thinking about family how fucked is that that situation it's a fucking evil corporations this is this is exactly what russell brand was talking about any other thing commercial america (laughs) take over the problem is like we all know that it's bad like every single person is against it except for the people like that own comcast Mm -hmm. and they're probably gonna win it's gonna be a Black Mirror's uh, episode yeah. up here. I mean, I don't know like what the right answer is to like stop them. Mm-hmm. It just seems like a battle that we can't win. At this point, yeah, I guess we just have to go with time, see what happens. Yeah, I don't play it by ear. 
I think the best way to to make any of these like weird decisions, any of these problems, is just educating people yeah. more and more. And I think I mean that has been happening more, given the fact that you know uh, things like podcasting has been getting big. I think you know people who seek education yeah. who want to be more informed to like podcasting like this whole internet age like because when we were in high school i mean it started to come out but like we mostly just watched tv and stuff, yeah. and stuff like that like all, now all i do is listen to podcasts i get everything from online yeah i don't even watch tv no nope. when i say online i i include like netflix hulu and yeah, all, yeah, yeah all those things like that like even like podcasting has gone giving me the ability to like absorb so much information mm-hmm. every, like every single morning i wake up I make my breakfast, I listen to, like, the NPR podcast. It gives you, like, all the news headlines. It's like a 10-minute podcast. Really? Yeah. It's Wait, cool. actually, tell, tell me what that is. I want to write that down. I'll write it down later. I think it's called Up First. Up First? Yeah. And okay. it's, like, 10 minutes or 15 minutes at the most. And it'll be like, okay, this is what happened today. You know, Hurricane Maria. This bill's coming up in front of Congress. Like, mm-hmm. this happened overseas somewhere, you know. And mm-hmm. They talk about East Thing for, like, a couple minutes, and it gives you all... It gives you a spectrum yeah. of knowledge of, between like, generally that, what's happening. Yeah. Between that, like, hardcore history, freaking, I mean, like, like, uh, culture podcasts, too, like, JRE and stuff like that, mm-hmm. fitness podcasts, like, I'm able to absorb so much information. Right. So, it's like, you want to learn, it's out there. It's, it is out there. Like, it's just, have you, have to, to, you have to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with this, is, like, trying to get, like, younger people to get an idea of what, you know, mm-hmm. what's, what to learn, because I feel like, like, there's so much out there and there's you can, mm-hmm. there's always more that you can get from someone else. I think the benefit of this podcast is going to be that there's some kid out there that's a sophomore or freshman in college that just fucked up a semester. They don't know where they're going to go and they're thinking, oh, what the fuck am I going to do? Like mm-hmm. Everyone seems to have their life together. Mm-hmm. But really, no one no, has it together. No one has their just, life together. Everyone's just you know, <laughs> faking it until they make it. Everyone's a shit show. Yeah. If you're really inside of anyone's room and like like, really just sit down when they're having an in-depth conversation. Mm-hmm. You just talk to everyone and be like, I am so lost. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Well, most, I mean, like, most people just try to put on the facade that they that they do know what's going on, you know? Yeah. But they don't really know. No. No one really knows. No one really You just knows. keep taking, trying to take a step forward until you end up where you're going to go. And that's life. That's the best way. I'm hoping my BS will get me somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I don't really know where I want to go, but I just feel like if I just keep working hard and trying to keep as many doors open as possible something good will happen, will happen. eventually yeah. yeah so i feel like i feel like so many people say i mean how many people work in a field that's outside the degree that they got oh a lot you know, a so lot. many people so many know. random there the, one of my favorite podcasts that i listen to is um how i built this mm-hmm. um i feel i've mentioned this a, a bunch of times yeah. i don't know if you've you listened to it yeah because right? yeah. every single person that's like oh i own this multi-million dollar company it's like mm-hmm. oh, i just wanted to make this like the the maker of Spanx. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, uh, I think multi, multi-millionaire, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But, like, her idea was, like, oh, like, I want an in-between of, like, tights and, like, leggings. Yeah. She made Spanx. And I was, like, it just blew up. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the thing, like, when we were talking about before, is, like, so many people feel like, oh, I need to be successful now. Like, they just graduated. Like, when you listen to that podcast, like, how many of those people were just stumbling through their 20s and fell into something that was mm-hmm. really good because they just kept trying to move forward. Yeah. And it worked out for them, you know? The, my favorite one is the one with the founders of Reddit. I, I haven't listened to that one yet. The founders of Reddit is literally two, what you would imagine the average Redditors would be. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> beards. Yeah, it's like two just like average guys, and they were just kind of you know, I mean they were they were like genius programmers. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them wasn't. One of them was just there for marketing. Gotcha. The one that's more social. Um, he's the one that's married to uh, Serena or Venus Williams. One of them. Serena, I think, right? Or Serena, I'm yeah, pretty sure. They have a kid now. Yeah, they do. But he's the one that's married to her. He doesn't know anything about programming. Gotcha. But he was like more like the face of it. Mm-hmm. But like the two of them, like I remember the main aspect of the story was uh, they went to this convention and met this guy, gave him this idea, complete BS of like what they wanted to happen. Their original site was something, uh, it was similar to Reddit, so the idea of like the top post will you know end up at the top. I think mm-hmm. it had to do with recipes. Or it's just like oh gotcha. It's like oriented towards one thing, yeah. and then they took that idea and branched it out more. And it's like they didn't know what they're doing at all. And I think so. It's a very college story where they had a project and it was due months months away, and they didn't do it until like the very end, mm-hmm. and it just blew up. It just, you know became what it was like out of nowhere, and mm-hmm. they were just literally just random 
you know, people, mm-hmm. uh, the average Redditors, which you'd assume, and, you know, they just did it, they just put the work in, and it just happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's just life, just working hard, keep trying to take a step forward until you find that idea. Or maybe you don't find that idea, but you have an idea of something, the next move forward, and you just keep investing in mm-hmm. that, keeping expanding it as it yeah. branches out, you know? And I'm still waiting for that idea. <laughs> we'll find it eventually. Yeah. One day. Next thing I want to branch into is uh, so I'm gonna go away from like the work and the, mm-hmm. the school and it's like this is getting boring with that. Mm-hmm. Um, is going to working out because mm-hmm. your background with working out had to do with uh, you started off playing football in well, high school. I started working out like when I was really young, pretty much because my dad was a meathead. Mm-hmm. He's just he. Oh, my dad was big. My dad is like kind of how kind of how you are. It's like you just started working out. Like right. you didn't know where it kind of goes. So you just did everything that was, you know. Um, anything that it doesn't anything work. you could get your hands on that there's information and you know one day you're gonna pass it on to your son and, and he's gonna know more about it than you because mm-hmm. he just does more research and mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened to me and my dad that was a cop and every single precinct that I've ever been into has a gym in the basement mm-hmm. and pretty much all of them work out like that's kind of like when I was growing up it's just like every kind of male adult that was around me worked out so I just thought it was like the thing that you're supposed to do. So I wanted to work. I wanted to start working out as soon as possible. So, you know, my dad took me to the gym when I was like in fifth grade for the first time, and he showed me how to in bench fifth press. Fifth grade, yeah, that's why I was lifting, lifting just like the bar or whatever. But I was hooked. I, like I wanted to start doing this immediately. So he he got me like those perfect push up things. I don't know if you remember those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push up grips, mm-hmm. like that. the ones that rotate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull up bar, and I was doing push ups and pull ups in my basement and in my room throughout middle school and then maybe like then I got like a couple dumbbells and I was just doing whatever I could think of with them like doing bench presses from the floor and curls and tricep extensions I never really did shoulders at that time <laughs> and uh when I was in eighth grade at this time my dad was huge my dad was benching around 400 pounds so it's like I, that's, that's so like, crazy that's what I want to be like that's I want to be a big strong mm-hmm. guy and I was playing football mm-hmm. and when I when I started playing football late I started playing in seventh grade and when I was in seventh grade, I was ninety pounds, mm-hmm. and I was kind of small for my age. And uh, when in the football league that I was going to play in, they had kind of two divisions for middle school age kids, and then people below ninety five pounds and people above ninety five mm-hmm. pounds. And I was like right at the border, and I was like, my dad was like, you might as well just play with the bigger kids. So I was like, oh, now I would definitely have to get stronger. I'm going to be playing kids that are a lot bigger than me, and that's kind of that's when I really started to work out pretty hard. And I got good at football in middle school, and I wanted to go to, I wanted to play in high school, and I was going to go to one of two, you know, Catholic private schools that had big football teams, and I really wanted to start working out, and I had a friend that was also going to one of those schools who also played football, and when I was in eighth grade, when I was in middle school, my dad had this thing where me and my sister got like a 95 average, mm-hmm. he would give us a hundred bucks for like the really? semester. That's good incentive. Yeah. So like, one, like the first semester of eighth grade I told my dad instead of giving me a hundred bucks there's a Planet Fitness around the corner from the school sign me up for that and when I was in eighth grade I was going to Planet Fitness almost every day after school just take a bag of clothes with me after football scene at eighth season grade ended, yeah just walk to Planet Fitness and work out and, I mean you know Planet Fitness they just have like Smith Machine I mean it's everything you really the things people shit on Planet Fitness constantly but it's everything you need if you're a beginner at the time it was what I needed yeah, yeah. if you're just starting off I don't think you really it, need it it has a niche yeah I think I think as a guy, I wanted to lift heavy weights, and having like a, you know, free weights to learn how to do the movements on, would have been beneficial, but I don't regret it because, I got stronger, I look, you know, yeah, build muscle, and I got to play. I think it definitely contributed to me being able to like, kind of hang at like a real serious football school, mm-hmm. when I played there. I think the craziest thing is how much weight you gained, from what you said you were ninety pounds. Yeah, I was 95 pounds in 7th grade when I was 12, 13 years old, and I was 200 pounds at 15 in sophomore year. That's so crazy. Yeah. That is outrageous. So did you did you force yourself to eat more, or was it just... I didn't really force myself to eat more. I just didn't watch what I ate, and I lifted weights, and I was drinking protein shakes because, you know, you play freshman and then JV sophomore year, mm-hmm. but then you play senior, like you go to varsity mm-hmm. with the seniors, so you, you have to get bigger. And you know, I was five foot ten. I was, you know, you were five foot ten at fifteen. Yeah, I'm about five ten at fifteen. Okay, damn. And then uh, 
but I was playing at a school where like we had three hundred pound linemen, you know, mm-hmm. six foot four, three hundred pound playing it, going just on animals, to play, just beasts. Yeah, going on to play <laughs> deep, like serious D one ball. So like, you know, I wanted to be able to play. So you had to work out hard, you know. And I was always working out. We had a fantastic weight room at my school, and we had, you know, we had Olympic lifting platforms. We had about six full squat racks with benches and pull up bars that went with them. We had in like separate benches. We had dumbbells up to a hundred pounds. Um, actually, we had eight squat racks in my in my high school. That's gym. wild. Yeah, I mean we had everything, and even now it's even better. They they completely re- renovated it uh, when after I graduated, they put like a million dollars into it. And uh, I worked out throughout high school, and I learned a lot. You know, I got really strong around my senior year mm-hmm. because after I finished my uh, after I finished my senior season, I just kept working out because it was just part of my life. And it's something that it was part of my life before football. It's part of my life after football. Right. And you know, I live in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And the Bronx has a couple real serious bodybuilding gyms. So I joined one of those gyms with my dad after junior after junior year ended in that summer. I was working out in a gym that had professional bodybuilders like Victor Martinez, like. Who competes on the Olympia stage? Right. Professionals has placed like top five, and so being around those yeah. people, it pushes you to be like, damn, yeah, like I, I was like, wow, this is awesome, and I had and I started getting real strong. I was like squatting, squat three fifteen for eight mm-hmm. when I was a senior. I just loved it, and I kept going with it through college. Kind of hurt myself. I hurt my back really bad freshman year, mm-hmm. and I kind of stopped lifting a lot of heavy weights. Yeah, so so this is actually because this is what I was writing down is that I wanted to go into because we had this debate the other day mm-hmm. was when someone should start lifting. So you started lifting, you said you started lifting when you were what in sixth grade, seventh grade. I was doing like, like push-ups push and pull-ups, pull-ups right? Like sixth grade, and then you started going grade. with Planet Fitness. Eighth grade, yeah. Eighth grade. So do you when do you think you first started getting someone to actually like coach you through your movements? Probably in high school when you were like yeah, we had a coach in my high school. Right. So. Um. Like what would what would, what do you think the biggest differences were in when you were working out alone versus when your like coach was helping you? Because it's not like you went into it blindly. Like yeah. you did have some knowledge. You did mm-hmm. have your dad's help. Mm-hmm. So you know you had a little background. I think the biggest difference was that I was doing the basic lifts when I had someone over my shoulder, mm-hmm. and I was doing like stupid stuff that I read in like Flex magazine and stuff like that beforehand. So I like I mean Planet Fitness didn't really have like squat racks and stuff, mm-hmm. but. But still, like, I would be going to the gym and doing, like, you know, dumbbell fly, like, for chest, do, like, a bunch of sets of dumbbell flies, supersetted with, like, push-ups and, mm-hmm. and like, big supersets and stuff like that. Always, always supersets. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really <laughs> necessary. I think it would have been more beneficial for me to just learn to bench press, you know. And when you get to the point where you've mastered the movement, then you can move, start doing all that other stuff to kind of build the muscles mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I think the foundation any new lifter regardless of age should be just a basic linear program building off the big lifts you know squat bench deadlift overhead press row and chin up so when do you think you should start doing compound lifts because we've had this argument a lot me and you are on like very different sides of the spectrum when it comes to it depends on early lifting on your opportunity to be like in a good environment for it so Mm -hmm. have someone with you that either knows like the deal or a coach in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't think the age is the limiting factor. I think it's the resources that are limiting limiting factor. If you can get someone and teach them the right way to do it at thirteen, then I would say thirteen. But if they have to wait until college, then I would say wait until college. Yeah. I think you should learn your body before you start lifting weights. I think, you know, push ups, pull ups, body weight squats should be the foundation for at least a couple months before someone really starts lifting weights, you know. Because I was thinking about this after we had that argument. Because mm-hmm. our conclusion was that you shouldn't start lifting without the advice of another at a very young age. Mm-hmm. was like our ending ending statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it, you just shouldn't be working out mm-hmm. uh, or like doing anything. But then I started thinking about it. It's like if you were on... Because there's two sides of the spectrum when you first start working. You're either very skinny or you're very fat. Or like yeah. you know, somewhere in the middle. So if someone's very skinny, it's more... you know. Uh, I think it, it makes more sense for them to start doing body weight movements. Mm-hmm. It, you try to push themselves that way. But at the same time, a lot of people would say, 
doing weights, it would also be easier because you're using less resistance. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, it would be the same thing. You know, you can't do body weight because you're too big mm-hmm. and too heavy for yourself, so weights would be lower for resistance. Yeah. So almost immediately, you get pushed into, oh, you should start doing yeah, weights first. I think, I think lifting weights is not as dangerous as a lot of people make it seem to be in the beginning. I think it's when you're doing the wrong thing over, over and over years again. right? that that starts to become problematic. But, I mean, you're not going to go and tear your rotator cuff benching 55 pounds, you know. Mm-hmm. Like with a barbell, not with a right, table. Right. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, if you get an obese person that has no one to show them what to do, I think maybe they should just get in there in the gym and start using machines. Yeah, you know? I think that that was like what I was thinking is like the best thing to do for someone who's starting off now. Because mm-hmm. like, I've had multiple injuries. Mm-hmm. Nothing serious, which I'm, I'm glad for, yeah. but like I, I went off of not knowing anything, not having anyone to guide me, and literally just going off of my own basis. And like I taught myself everything. And it's not like, I, you know, I was very dumb, but I wasn't the smartest with the things I was doing. And I thought about it. It's like I worked my way up to flying like 60, 65 pounds at 145 pounds body weight. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. That wasn't enough from – that my body couldn't handle that mm-hmm. in terms of my repair, like mm-hmm. in terms of proper nutrition. Like I wasn't doing the things that I was supposed to be doing. My just genetic makeup wasn't strong enough to handle that, that weight load. And just years of doing that over and over again. Like, doing 60-pound flies constantly, like, every week for reps and sets, that's, I'm pretty sure, why, like, my shoulder is my rotator cuff. And What would look, what would, what was, like, your high school routine? Like, what did it look like? Um, hmm. It was... It wasn't structured or it just did, like, whatever you want? No, no, no. It was, I, th- I want to say it was actually more, sh- uh, it was not bad. Because, mm-hmm. okay, so when I, st- my, mine is different. So I started off... I got robbed in 10th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you the story when I got robbed. And so after 15 years old. Yeah. And I before that, I was already doing like same thing like body weight. So like mm-hmm. push-ups, pull-ups in my backyard or like in just like my living room doing abs. After I got robbed, I started doing jujitsu for a little bit. I did like three months of karate and stuff. And then my parents were like, oh, we can't afford this anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't want to really be paying $150 a month for this. And yeah. I was like, all right, that makes sense. Like that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I joined Planet Fitness, same thing. Mm-hmm. 10 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't say no. Yeah. I think that was my sophomore year of high school. So I went to Planet. Mm-hmm. That was when I was doing stupid stuff. Because yeah. I had a couple of friends who were just meatheads, but like dumb. Like they were just doing, like they'd be doing like bicep curls for sets of 42. And like I was doing that with them. Mm-hmm. Or they'd be doing sets of like, like till failure for chest press. I think that's the biggest thing with like a lot of young people get into is like, Going to failure on everything. Everything. Just and you accumulate so much volume that you're so sore. And, like, you think soreness... Is okay. Is, 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 is equates with, like, making progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a problem that I had when I was younger. I mean, it wasn't... Again, I wasn't lifting enough weight to cause damage. Maybe maybe it's because I was so young and not when I was, like, 18. When you're kind of, like, almost a fully developed, like, adult. Mm-hmm. That led me not to have injuries. Because if I was, like, 18 doing the same thing, you know... I, benching like you know 200 pounds over and over again drop sets and stuff like that then i feel like i would have been the compounds i would have been more in the territory of hurting myself as opposed to doing like push-ups and dips and stuff like mm-hmm. that to failure when i was like 13 and using like I, 20 I th- pound dumbbells the, the biggest thing i think was that that original start for me mm-hmm. like doing things to such a failure constantly pushing myself because mm-hmm. my friends the ones that pushed me this guy was like, I'm not going to lie, like, he was kind of, like, he was skinny, but he was a beast. Like, yeah, he was doing karate for months on end, and, like, he could do it. Like, it didn't affect his body at all. But, you know, everyone's body is different, and you don't realize that when you're younger. Yeah. When you're younger, it's like, I'm invincible. I can do anything he can mm-hmm. do. So I tried keeping up with everything, and, and also he was two years older than me. Gotcha. So I was trying to keep up with everything he was doing, and he had a lot more experience than me, and he was a horrible teacher. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy for that. Yeah. So I followed that routine, and I went with the mentality of, like, I didn't know what sore was mm-hmm. originally, so I thought that, like, the pain is gained, like, mentality. Yeah. And I kept going with that for years on end mm-hmm. and never really took into account of what was really happening. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even until late into college where I was like, this like this is getting bad. Like, there's something yeah. really wrong. You're still doing, like, lots of, lots of volume. I think that's like, the big thing is, like, volume. My concept of how much volume of work that you need to do in the gym to move forward was so skewed because you get all this information from from like Flex Magazine, like these YouTube guys, and the reality is that they're all on steroids and they can yeah. kind of do anything and move forward. Like, I mean, the amount of work that I do like on a chest day or an arm day now, 
Chris when I first started is like way half. less, way half. less. You need like two major movements, maybe two to three accessory movements, and that's it. Yep. And that is it. And when I was going to the gym when I was younger, like when I was going to Planet especially, like I'd be doing like five sets of like major movements, and then like six sets of like like accessory work, like, like variations on variations. So it's like even more. It was like I remember one of the things I'd always be doing was like uh, shoulders. Uh-huh. It would be front raise, side raise, and then rear delt flies, yeah, and it would be like fifteen of each. Yeah. And I would do like five sets of that. Mm-hmm. Outrageous! And no one needs that. I was I used to do this thing that I got online that uh, I would do flies with, and then with the same dumbbell. I'm still on the bench. Mm-hmm. Start doing dumbbell presses, mm-hmm. and then drop the dumbbells and go do push-ups, and that was one set. And then you do like four sets of that? Yeah, and then go up to <laughs> something else, like the like chest press machine or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'll go in and do like bench or dumbbell bench. And I don't even do like chest, I don't even do like a bro split. Mm-hmm. I do like a push-pull legs. I've been doing that since like senior year of high school. And I do less work, but I do enough. And maybe I hit everything twice, maybe mm-hmm. I don't, but it's enough and I don't do too much. It's, know? it's, because when you're... When you first start off, especially for me, like, this is, like, anecdote. When I first started off, I was like, every workout matters. Like, I need to do this every, like, day. I need to stay consistent five times a week. But it's like, if you look at a calendar, it's, as long as you're doing it, like, a calendar year, mm-hmm. and you're staying to it every week, like, every workout does count, mm-hmm. and you're letting your body repair. If you take, like, a, like, a, you zoom out, I think the most important things are you're just going to the gym in general and going consistently. Cause like that was a problem with me in high school. So I would stop because you know SATs is here, so mm-hmm. I really wouldn't work out that much. Maybe like maybe I could only get to the gym once or twice a week, mm-hmm. you know, or football season's here and I was really wasn't working out. But like it's really important that you're just going. If you're going to I, I I tend to tell people that don't work out that want to that you, at least start. three days a week. Yeah, three. I mean, if you can get three days a week, an hour each time, that's enough to start. You mm-hmm. know? And then the other two things is diet and sleep. If you're not getting enough sleep, you're not growing. Right. You're not growing muscle in the gym. You're growing muscle. When you're resting, the gym your is the stimulus to recover from. Mm-hmm. You know? That's another big thing I didn't realize when I was younger. Because I'm pretty sure when I was working out at the planet, mm-hmm. um, like I wasn't eating enough. I was like, sleep deprived all, all through high school. I would stay up and watch Netflix. All the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. I was always eating enough. I don't think I was eating enough protein. I think that was the problem. Because I would eat like sugary cereal for breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know? And not really eat all the... I mean, I would eat kind of bullshit for lunch, too. My friend, my parents always cooked us, like, good meals right, for right. dinner, but... I just don't think I was eating enough. Because, like, I mean, even even coming in college, like, yeah. I, I didn't really eat enough until you pushed me... To eat more. To yeah. eat more. That semester, was it last year, fall semester, made me feel like a bitch. I think, I think <laughs> it surprises you when you start to, to track your food. If you're eating, like, good... If you're eating good mm-hmm. foods, like, whole foods... You don't get that many calories. It surprises you how yeah. under calorie you are. Like today, I ate like kind of shit this weekend because we had the day where we both ate like five slices of pizza for dinner. Yeah, but it was worth it. Yeah, it was very <laughs> worth it. But so today I was kind of on it. I haven't been tracking. Like you know that over last semester I lost thirty pounds, mm-hmm. and I was I completely changed my relationship with food. I was tracking mm-hmm. everything, even into the summer I was tracking pretty much pretty strictly, mm-hmm. and then I decided that I would kind of go on you know a bulking phase through mm-hmm. this fall semester. And I haven't been tracking. I just, and I, we talked about this before that like I was worried that I would overeat if I didn't, mm-hmm. but I really haven't. So I, I think I've, I successfully kind of changed my relationship with food because I was like 205. Like your base level of like how much you consume yeah, now. I was like 205 like a month and a half ago. And today I haven't been even weighing myself. Mm-hmm. And today I weighed 208. And that's after all the bullshit that mm-hmm. I did this weekend. So I think I've been pretty successful at it. And to, so today I decided like, oh, I really should watch what I eat after. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't shoot too far, and I ate like I had, I had some bullshit like cereal this morning, but not a lot, and a coffee, and then for lunch I had a protein shake, and then another lunch, pretty much two meals mm-hmm. around the midday. I had like a turkey sandwich, and then I had chicken, rice and beans, and broccoli for dinner, and I'm seven hundred and fifty calories under my like what Your maintenance my maintenance should be. Damn. So I think you. People severely underestimate how much they need to eat to yeah. build muscle. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you definitely don't get enough protein unless you're unless you're actively consciously thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. My biggest problem was definitely like uh, going back to uh, when I was younger, is that I was what one twenty five, one thirty when I started mm-hmm. going to the Planet Fitness, 
I was a couple inches shorter. I was mm. take that into account. And it was really skinny, like mm-hmm. just like I was like skinny chubby, mm-hmm. so, like you know just enough fat where it's like skinny my self esteem yeah. was very low. Yeah, <laughs> but but just skinny enough where it's like oh you also don't lift. Mm-hmm. So at the time it's like I, I didn't want to gain fat and I didn't really yeah. want to eat too much and mm-hmm. I was definitely under eating. So my body definitely did not have the amount of resources it needed to properly recover from mm-hmm. the intense workouts that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that definitely built over time where it was just like muscle and joint degradation mm-hmm. from, you know, my body's inability to recuperate from what I was doing. You got to recover. It's like sleep and, and food are just as, more, just and then, as important as what's going on. Yeah. And then last semester when you started pushing me, last semester I was still 145. Mm-hmm. So I was I was getting weight or yeah. like 150. I was 150 because over the summer what I started doing when it. you were a freshman when you first got here? I was 140. Okay. I was like 140 to 145. But at that time I was like... I'd already, like, gotten more adjusted to eating a little bit more. Just enough where I was gaining weight already. But at 140, 145 is still pretty light. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was already... Freshman year, I was 5'7". Mm-hmm. So I wasn't fully, like, 5'9", 5'10"-ish where mm-hmm. I am now. But I was I definitely weighed more than I did in high school because mm-hmm. I was eating a little bit more. Um, I was definitely... I was getting, like, more protein shakes in. I was getting in eggs and stuff, like, on a daily basis. So uh, I was, I was you know, more than I was. But I was shredded at the time. Like, mm-hmm. that was me. Like, I put on, like... A good amount of muscle mass, and it wasn't just I wasn't yeah, like skinny. You get anymore. a lot of muscle, so especially yeah. Um, and then last uh, fall, mm-hmm. I was 140, 145. No, I'm sorry, I was 150, 155, somewhere in the middle there, mm-hmm. and I couldn't gain weight anymore. And I was like plateauing. What's the highest you got? The highest? Oh, oh so you're gonna get fat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 150, 155 is where I started, and then I couldn't gain any more weight, and I was trying, and you kept saying, It's like, are you eating enough? Yeah, I, I, that will that will always stay in my brain. I was like, I was literally just being a little, little bitch, and I like pushed myself and I got to one seventy, and from that bulk on, like my diet has changed so drastically. Like my daily intake is way more than it ever was before I did that bulk, because during that bulk I pushed it to such a limit that after I teetered off of it, it's like my like I'm just used to eating more now. Like I can eat you know a good amount every day, and I just need that just to maintain. People's relationship with food is like really weird because it's it's I mean it's different for so many people. Like if you're used to under eating for so long, like that just becomes the norm, you know. And I had the opposite problem is I was used to overeating all the time, and I completely changed how I was eating last last semester. And it, it I mean so far it's been a, like a change for life really. You know, I completely mm-hmm. changed my relationship with food. But to me, it's like weird that someone could have the opposite problem if they're under eating. Because like to me, I just feel like how are you? hungry all the time but I guess you don't even realize it because mm-hmm. that's what your metabolism is at yeah. you know it's very very strange I mean everyone has a different it's really dependent on I mean uh, your upbringing yeah I, I was talking about this on the I was talking about the, the last person I was talking to mm-hmm. I was talking about obesity and sugar intake because mm-hmm. the paper I've been writing on obesity yeah. and it's like the most prevalent one of the most prevalent reasons that it's been getting worse is mm-hmm. education levels um, and if your parents aren't the smartest in terms of nutrition, that yeah, has a direct yeah. correlation to how the children, you know, are going to end up. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people and West Virginia, so my study is specifically on West Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, education level. There's a, uh, is, edu- is it the worst in the country? Yeah. It's 30, I think it was close to 40% is obese. I think something like that. Um, but they have, so I, I was comparing West Virginia to Colorado. Colorado has very high education attainment rates. Most of the people have bachelor's degrees, uh-huh. uh, in comparison to West Virginia where most people are high school students or less. Uh-huh. And if you look at obesity rate, like the discrepancy, it's mm-hmm. huge just because of that factor. Gotcha. Um, and then if you look at corollary childhood obesity, uh-huh. ch- like children are just as obese in those states because their parents are just so as it's like a one, one one-to-one relationship between childhood obesity and adult obesity i don't know if it i can't say statistically if it's one-to-one but it's like it's close to yeah, it. yeah yeah there's definitely like that is the reason mm-hmm. if your parents don't know you're not gonna know and yeah. that's how you know kids will end up di- in different levels mm-hmm. of nutrition so like i can kind of shed some light on that in my own personal experience like i don't know if you know this but like i was really bad with food like freshman year yeah but it wasn't bad growing up yeah because my parents kind of your parents kind of mm-hmm. control what you eat when you're when you're growing up that's because they that's, that's your what, food. What that's they bring into the house is what you get. Yeah. So like, I didn't eat bad in high in grammar school and stuff. Like, if there was cookies, I would eat them. I drank <laughs> a lot of soda. That was the thing that I did. That was bad. I definitely drank a lot of soda. Mm-hmm. Knowing now what I know about sugar, like I kind of cringe at how much yeah. soda I drank. When I moved here freshman year, I had the 
platinum, whatever the highest meal plan yeah. was, I begged my parents to get it for me because I was like, I'm worried that I'm going to starve because I read all these horror stories of people, you know, getting an average of one and a half meal per day or whatever. Yeah. I was like, fuck that. So, and I wanted to lift, so I wanted to get big and I knew that I had to eat a lot. I was eating so much fucking food. Like, and unhealthy food. I was drinking like regular sodas. Like I'd go and get one of those big sandwiches from Kelly Deli mm-hmm. and a large fucking Pepsi. And a large Pepsi is like three days worth yeah. of fucking sugar. It's just and I it was like ounces. I was on the wrong fucking so path. Much. Before I got before like I found like my fitness pal. Mm-hmm. I I initially found my fitness pal in high school and then I just kinda like forgot about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even pay attention to it. And I started using it again my second semester of freshman year because my dad at the time wanted to lose weight, so he started doing like a keto diet, mm-hmm. and he kind of like challenged me to try too. And so then I started tracking all my food with my fitness pal. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, how much fucking sugar am I eating? Yeah. Like, this is crazy. And I kind of stopped gaining weight because I definitely gained like the freshman 15 or whatever. But that was, I, th- I attribute that more to hurting my back because I just was kind of immobile mm-hmm. freshman year. I also want to get into that, but yeah. finish this one off first. But I definitely gained a ton of weight. Like, the way I was headed was, like, not good. I was definitely, like, on my way to, like, being pre-diabetic and stuff like that. Yeah. And then last year, I really, like, kind of turned my whole life around when it comes to, like, diet because... We had the kitchen. Yeah, I don't, I don't fucking eat sugar that much. The only sugar that I get is if I eat a cookie or from my coffee. But I, 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 I'm going to cut the sugar out of coffee. I'm going to get, start getting, like... Uh, I drink a lot of coffee. I can't drink black coffee. You know, just until you hate it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's like an acquired taste. It's like like whiskey or like you know beer. I guess it's like the same, it's the same idea. That's the kind of thing that I go overboard is beer. But I love beer. I'm <laughs> just trying different beers and stuff like that. But I gotta cut the sugar out of my coffee, and I gotta stop eating so many cookies. I find that when like last year, like me and probably on diet, but like you kind of knew about dieting too because you've always been around that, mm-hmm. and like. I find that, like, if I don't eat cookies, then I'm nowhere near my sugar. It's cookies. <laughs> it's like, it, uh, instead of buying Chips Ahoy, if I just get a bag of chips to, like, you know, satiate Well, because cookies are literally just sugar. It's just so bad. It's cookies just sugar. It's so bad for you. You need to cook cookies out completely, except for, like, special occasions. <laughs> special occasions. Yeah. If you get birthdays pop, and if such. you get popcorn, right? Like, you can eat, like, a million kernels yeah, of popcorn yeah. for a hundred Popcorn's are no calories. Yeah. But three chocolate chip cookies, it's, like, 200 calories. Yeah. Adds up so fast. I think it's like 240 calories. If it's the regular ones, yeah. Yeah. 240 for three. That's insane. Whereas if you get the thins, it's 140 for four. It depends on the money around there. It's all sugar, so it's just like it's it's a positive feedback loop. Like you eat some and you want more. And your body just wants more. The sugar just fucking shoots dopamine in your brain. It just reinforces. And you saw the the curse curse I can never pronounce curse gas video on uh, the gut biome. So it's like when you start intaking foods that are bad for you Mm -hmm. and you get adjusted to it, the more you want it. Yeah, so it's, it's literally the bush said it's a feedback loop, yeah. so it keeps going back into itself. Yeah, it's sugar's evil. Cut it out of your life. It's worse than cocaine. It's worse than, it's worse than cocaine. <laughs> sugar is so fucking bad. I still am gonna go crush those sugar cookies in the fucking fridge because I have seven hundred fifty calories. Oh no, you got You've been studying all day. You uh, gotta end it on a good yeah. note. Um, uh, sugar's bad. Don't eat it, kids. Yeah, I think I'm gonna cut it off. Actually, no way. I want the last thing I want to talk about is just your future goals because uh-huh. I like ending it off with that so you know my really... future goals so I've I mean my major's in biology like mm-hmm. I want to go into healthcare at some level I don't know mm-hmm. where that is going to be like I, I, I like dealing with people on a personal level and I want to help people and I want to make good money, money doing that right. you know and I also not every career in, in healthcare has a good work life balance but I know some individual people that have found after themselves and if I could do that that would be like the ideal life for me you know? mm-hmm. and then really my goal in life is to help people make a decent amount of money and have time to have a family and do my hobbies like if I have a job where I can have like you know in the winters have like a, a, a season pass to go skiing so I can go skiing mm-hmm. every week or go and then the summers go hiking or to the beach and mm-hmm. camping, or maybe get a long weekend and freaking take weekend trips. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. And if that is what my life is at thirty or thirty-five, be it. then I'm happy. <laughs> so yeah, that's those, those are my goals in life. Get a white picket fence house. Get some kids bigger than a white picket fence. <laughs> so like when when I say these things, like a lot of people. 
think that like I just want like the average. Like I definitely want a nice life. I want all right, the yeah, comforts yeah, yeah. of being like wealthy and stuff. <laughs> have. But not having a Lambo, I don't think that. I would be miserable. <laughs> you know? Realism. There you go. Yeah. Being grounded. And then, uh, so thanks for being on. Um, oh look at that! I got it on an hour. Perfect. Lit. Sounds good. Yeah, that was actually those the tenth episode. Gotcha. Oh, so I want to let people know. Um, so if you listen to this one and the tenth one, um, for this one specifically, if you, so I'm gonna post it. So if you go on the Facebook page, if you like the post, comment something and then share it. I'm gonna be doing a giveaway with three other shirts. So do that, and I'm going to pick people out after that happens. So uh, again, thanks for listening, guys. Tenth episodes where we hit double digits.